0: This is Cruise Radio.
1: Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com.
0: Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio.
1: How's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. A review of Royal Caribbean's Adventure of the Seas this week. This was the very first cruise back from Royal Caribbean out of North America, which is the Bahamas. And the first one opened to U.S. guests as well. So uh, we have Nick coming on the show a little bit later to talk all about that. Filling in for Sherry Laskin with Cruise News is staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. So Carnival Cruise Line announced they'll be receiving a couple of
0: new additions. This kind of came out. Out of the blue. You know, a lot of the times we know things are coming, or we hear rumbling things are coming. This was a complete surprise, but on Wednesday morning, Carnival announced that they are adding two new ships to the fleet. I guess I should say one new ship and one new to Carnival ship. So... The new to Carnival ship is the Costa Magica, which is a Destiny-class ship, which means it was sailing with Costa, which is the Italian division of Carnival Corporation. But it's it's very, very, very similar to the original Destiny ships, which you'll note have over the last few years all been morphed into Sunshine-class ships. So Carnival hasn't said exactly whether that will happen, whether they will you know, make it the newest version of that class, which right now is the Carnival Sunshine, the Carnival Sunrise, and soon-to-be Carnival Radiance. It seems likely that when this ship undergoes dry dock and when it sort of gets the makeover it's going to get to transfer it from Costa Cruises to a Carnival Cruise Line fleet ship, I would be really surprised if they don't make it the fourth class – the fourth member of this particular class. Then there's the other ship, which was originally intended to be an Aida Ship. So that's the German division of Carnival Cruise Line. This ship is also now instead going to be joining the Carnival Cruise Line fleet. It is an Excel-class ship, which means it's going to be a sister ship to the Mardi Gras, which starts sailing on July 31st, and the Carnival Celebration, which is cur- currently under construction and will join the fleet in 2022 two and this latest ship which has not yet been named will join the fleet in 2023 so yeah big news out of absolutely nowhere yeah definitely
1: or it could have been out of somewhere because earnings is coming up pretty soon too so <laughs> that's
0: true That's yeah true. <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll see here um so the state of florida won the lawsuit against the cdc so what happens next
0: this is so interesting. This has continued to be, I admit this whole thing sort of baffles me on certain levels. So what happened was the judge in the case, of course, had sent the CDC and Florida into mediation. They came out from mediation and said, yeah, it didn't work. The judge essentially said to the CDC: listen, if this goes to trial, there is every chance in the world that Florida is going to win here. So Go back to the drawing board. You have until um, the beginning of July to come up with some new, softer restrictions, more in line with what I'm saying. But the really important thing here is that as of the middle of July, what were the regulations issued by the Centers for Disease Control now become recommendations. So, you know, everything we've been through is sort of weirdly thrown out the window, Ask the cruise lines what to make of this, and they don't know. They've all released statements in the last little bit, as did CLIA, the um, the industry sort of spokesperson or, or or trade group. They've all said, "We're analyzing this. <laughs> you know, we're sort of trying to figure out what this actually means moving forward." But for the most part, the cruise lines seem to all be moving forward. With their plans the way they originally were, they're sort of acting as if none of this really impacts them. It's all sort of a tempest in a teapot. So we'll still have to see how it all plays out. But for the moment, it appears that Florida has scored a major victory.
1: Love him or hate him, DeSantis actually did get one thing done. Once this lawsuit was filed back, what was it, April? We started seeing the CDC update the guidance and making it easier for ships to return.
0: It's completely true. You know, I mean, you're right, love him or hate him. And there are people on both sides strenuously. But he likes to take credit for the fact that once he filed his lawsuit, everything started happening. And You know, you almost have to give that to him, Mm -hmm. because really, look how long went by when nothing was happening. And then suddenly he rattles their cage and they're like, "Okay, let's 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 start making some moves here.
1: And speaking of making moves, the first simulated sailing has officially been completed. What are we hearing there?
0: Well, this was Freedom of the Seas, the Royal Caribbean ship. They did a two night sailing, three days, two nights out of Port Miami. They just got back on Tuesday. And as far as we know, everything went really well. Right now, they are waiting for official word. You know, the CDC was on board. That's part of the whole process that they go through is the CDC is there to sort of see how the new protocols are working, make sure everything is going the way it's supposed to. But as far as we know, they have not heard back yet from them. After that, they basically move on to their first revenue sailing, uh, which will be July 2nd. Out of Miami on Freedom of the Seas. Now, the reason they did this is because, you know, some lines are going with the test cruises, some are not. The reason that Freedom of the Seas did the test sailing is that when they do their first revenue sailing, they will not be requiring proof of vaccination. They will simply say, we strongly recommend the guests be vaccinated.
1: And if you are unvaccinated, it looks like Royal Caribbean could be adding a couple of extra dollars to your cruise.
0: Yeah. So, you know, as we move toward this sailing on Freedom of the Seas, they have released information via letters sent to the guests about not only the additional fees they might face, but also the protocols that will be in place for anybody on board who is unvaccinated. So the fees are basically centered around additional testing, because if you are coming on the ship unvaccinated, and we should say it is not just people who are unvaccinated, it is also people who cannot or are unwilling to, for whatever reason, provide proof of vaccination. So if you show up and say, I'm vaccinated but can't prove it, you are going to be classified as one of the unvaccinated. And those people are going to have to um, undergo additional testing, which will be at their own expense. It'll come to the tune of about $136. If there's good news, it's that that can be applied right to your CPAS cards. So <laughs> right. You don't even have to worry about it. You can just have that $136. Pretend it's a loss in the casino, and there you go. It's It'll be waiting for you on that lovely slip of paper you get on the last day. They are also announcing some other sort of interesting things in this letter. So, for example, the guests were told that the dining room will basically be divided into areas for vaccinated and unvaccinated guests. But what really caught my attention was that it also very specifically said that my time dining will not be available to any guests who are unvaccinated. They talked about masks. This is something that's been really interesting to me over the last couple of weeks because There still seems to be some gray area. Royal Caribbean, in their letter to guests, said that masks will be required for passengers, vaccinated or not, whenever they're indoors. Now, there's an interesting exception here. And I quote, when in venues, bars, lounges, restaurants and entertainment or events designated for vaccinated guests only. So that seems to indicate that while on board, they are going to have certain events, certain venues that are sort of set aside where if you're unvaccinated, hey, go on in, have a good or if you're vaccinated, sorry, go on in, take off your mask, have a good time. If you're unvaccinated, sorry, you're not going to be allowed into those spaces. Mm. They didn't exactly say how they're going to tell vaccinated from unvaccinated, but the letter did say that guests should always make sure to have their C pass card at all times. So it seems, you know, that's the same way that they can tell whether you have a drink package or what your dining plan is. It'll probably be indicated right there on your C card.
1: So if I'm understanding this correctly, the cruise lines can ask you if you're vaccinated, but you don't have to tell them in Florida.
0: Exactly. Uh, that has been sort of the crux of this from the very beginning is Governor DeSantis's argument was that it is illegal for you to ask someone for their medical information, that you're creating two different classes. So you can ask, but you can't require it. So I guess that's how they're going to play this, at least for the moment. Yeah. We'll mm-hmm. see moving forward how it how it unfolds.
1: And a proposed bill could cut Canada's cruise stop out of the itinerary completely if it was just to satisfy the Passenger Vessel Services
0: Act. So basically, anytime you sail out of Seattle going up to Alaska, right now you have to stop in Canada because, you know, there's that whole law that says a ship leaving an American port— going to another American port has to stop in a foreign port before it comes back. It's always struck me as kind of a bizarre law, and I know there are reasons for it, but they're antiquated. So right now they've gotten a temporary injunction saying that that we're going to be able to skip that for now. But what this new bill says is basically – Let's just get rid of that. Let's just say that if you're you're going to Alaska from the United States, you do not need to stop at a foreign port, which on the one hand would be really good. I think for um, a lot of cruise lines would love that they can spend more time in Alaska, and not have to you know take this detour and you know everybody get off and put your foot in Canada. But it would be a little bit devastating to the Canadian economy because, of course, they get a lot of money not only in the taxes that are paid when the cruise ship visits, but from you know tourists getting off the ship and, and spending a couple hours and hopefully a little bit of money while they are in Canada. So that is but, – but that is what the bill basically says is while we are making this a temporary thing already, let's just go ahead and make it permanent.
1: And our last talking point here, more Norwegian cruise line cancellations on the heels of a restart.
0: You know, Doug, they don't like to call them cancellations. They call them suspensions. That's right. (laughs) Get it right. Um, It is kind of weird. And it's got to be really disappointing if you're booked on one of these vessels that have had cancellations because, you know, The whole world is opening up. Cruises are opening up. Everything is awesome again. And oh, crap, you just got the notification that your cruise has been canceled. But this impacts five Norwegian ships. Pride of America, all of their cruises through and including November 20th of 2021. The Norwegian Dawn, all of their sailings through and including November 21st of 2021. Norwegian Joy Voyages through and including November 13th, 2021, Norwegian Sky Cruises through and including January 21st, 2022, and the Norwegian Star Sailings through and including January 2nd, 2022. The assumption is that the reason they are canceling these voyages is that these ships will probably be shuffled around, you know, that they will be put to whether new home ports or have new itineraries. The other thing that people are going to see is some ships when they go to book them uh, with Norwegian are going to say that they are unavailable. That doesn't necessarily mean that the sailing has been canceled. It means that that ship is probably at the capacity that it's sailing at because of course, like everybody else, they're starting at reduced capacity. Mm So what they've decided to do is have ships, rather than take them entirely off, they will show on there, but they will show as unavailable. And that's why. It's because the ship has sold as much passage as it's going to have available on that particular sailing.
1: Okay. So are the cruises not really canceled? They're really just at capacity? Or are they not really sailing those ships through those dates you mentioned?
0: These are suspended. So okay. to me, that, so yes, these are canceled sailings, but other ships will show the the unavailable meaning that it is. I, I mean, it doesn't really matter. In either case, you're not getting on that right. ship. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly, okay. Canceled or because it's been suspended. You're not getting on that ship either <laughs> way. But there are, you know, you wouldn't want people to see something and think that maybe all of that ship's sailings have been canceled when, or that that particular sailing has been canceled when really it's not that the sailing has been canceled. You know, don't call grandma and tell her to stop unpacking her bags. It's just that, whew, we got on that ship, but we're the last ones on. It's really probably, you know, you don't think about it in normal times, but this probably happens in normal times as well, that a ship, you know, is overbooked or at capacity. And so it's going to show is unavailable, but now it takes on a whole different meaning just because of these strange, strange times we live in.
1: Very good. A lot of news this week and staff writer, Richard Sims caught us all up. It'll probably change 10 times before tomorrow, but uh, we'll deal with that then. Thank you so much, Richard.
0: Glad to be here. You're listening to cruise radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry.
1: A big question we get at cruise radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance?
2: breaking news as it happens online and on demand
1: at cruiseradio.net another cruise review wow two weeks in a row something's definitely going good here uh we have nick on the line he just returned from a seven night cruise aboard royal caribbean's adventure of the seas it was round trip from nassau he's here to share his experience from start to finish nick thanks for being here buddy
2: Hey, Doug. Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, man. It's been about a year and a half since we last spoke. So excited to talk cruise with you again. And of course, you were on the very first Royal Caribbean sailing from Nassau, Bahamas. Now, I want to kind of just dive right into this because there's a lot to unpack here because, you know, normally – Like you're down in the St. Pete area, you could just, you know, board a ship in Tampa and get to the islands or board a ship from Florida and be in Nassau the next day on a cruise. But on this cruise, you had to actually fly to Nassau. So I know every destination will be different, but what kind of process was it for you to satisfy both Nassau's requirements and Royal Caribbean's?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. We usually just drive to a cruise. So this is our first uh, flying adventure to board a ship. We actually went to Nassau in March just on a land vacation to Mar. so we kind of knew what to expect getting to the Bahamas. But um, before we departed on the airplane, we had to upload our proof of vaccination to uh, the Bahamas travel website, and once we uploaded that vaccination card, they issued us a health visa. You have to pay $40 per adult for that health visa, but does include some travel insurance within the Bahamas. And our son who came with us, he's 16 months old. He did not need a, um, any sort of vaccination record or test requirements since he was under two. So he got issued his travel visa just right away.
1: Okay. So you leave Florida, you land in Nassau, you disembark the plane. What were the protocols like once you were at the Nassau airport?
2: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, just like all airports in the U.S., same in the Bahamas, need to wear a mask um, at all times on the airplane and then uh, within the actual airport. But once we got off the plane, we made our way right to customs and it's about a five minute walk from the airplane to the customs in Nassau. Uh, We showed the customs officer our uh, Bahamas health visa as well as our immigration form and passports. And he just asked us where we were staying. We told him the cruise ship. He stamped our passports and we were on our way. That process took no more than five minutes at the most. Now we made our way down to baggage claim. Our bags were right there. And once we got out of baggage claim, they do check every so many bags to see if you're carrying like fruit or anything like that. But we were able to pass right by and um, exit the entire airport. Um, once we exit the airport, The really nice thing with this cruise is they have the luggage carts right there outside the airport, like right when you exit baggage claim. We put on our Royal Caribbean, the pre-printed luggage tags, and we just put them right onto the luggage cart. And that was it. Our bags then met us on the cruise ship, and we made our way to a pre-arranged taxi transportation Mm -hmm. since we needed a baby seat for the infant.
1: Did you do any uh, pre-cruise nights there or did you fly in day of?
2: We flew in day of Mm -hmm. and it did make me a little nervous, but everything was on time and uh, we just had to go through Miami and then Miami to Nassau. So two quick 30 minute flights.
1: All right. So let's talk about the cruise check in. You get to the pier. How different was this from your standard cruise check in?
2: It was different. Uh, the first fact is that we actually got dropped off at the Hilton British Colonial. So they're, they're utilizing a hotel to check in for the cruise. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One, you know, there's not much uh, at the pier in Nassau in terms of facilities. And the facilities that were there previously, pre-COVID, are all knocked down right now because they're doing that huge renovation to mm-hmm. the Nassau cruise pier. So there's really nothing there. It's a huge construction zone right now. So they dropped us off at the Hilton British Colonial. Um, once we got out of the taxi, again, you have to wear your mask at all times in the Bahamas even while outside or in a taxi. We were got our temperature checked at the Hilton and then we were asked to show our Royal Caribbean app to verify our boarding time. Once our boarding time was verified, we went upstairs and were immediately uh, sent to the COVID test area, which we had to pre-register for the the day or two before. Um, They did our COVID test. It probably took about five minutes or so to get the COVID test done. And then they kind of funneled you into a um, ballroom. And in that ballroom, they had the traditional setup with all the laptops and things like that where they're checking you in. And the agent asked to see our boarding pass, our proof of vaccination, and just verified the credit card that we were using. And then we were completely checked in. All we had to do at that point was wait for our negative COVID test to be emailed to us. And that was the hardest part with the baby, just kind of waiting in this room. And the room was packed full of people, um, but our results came within about 15 minutes or so, and then we were good to go.
1: Did you have to upload your vaccination card prior to cruise?
2: No, they took a picture of it mm-hmm. at the um, at the Hilton. So they did not ask for anything before the cruise. The only thing we had to do 24 hours before the cruise on Royals app was to just answer the standard health questions like, have you been exposed in the past 14 days? Do you have a fever? Anything like that. Um, but that was it that we had to do prior in terms of uploading or any sort of activity.
1: This is the first time you crossed a cruise ship gangway since, what, fall of 2019? So, like, what were your yeah. thoughts as you made your way on board the ship for the first time in over a year and a half?
2: I know. And it was actually, for us, a little bit more anticipation because once you were done with all the testing, you could board these little shuttles and they would take you over to the, to the pier as far as they could go without, you know, going on to the actual ship pier. But since we had the baby, we actually decided to walk. So we walked from the Hilton British Colonial. We had our little blue, like, I'm um, verified to get on board the ship sticker. So we were able to go through security. And, um, yeah, we walked that really long pier in Nassau all the way to the ship. And they had a junk canoe band playing. They were giving out free beers. We actually got interviewed by the Bahamas news that was there um, asking, like, why we were taking the cruise and whatnot. And, yeah, then we crossed the gangway. And when I crossed that gangway, it was such a great feeling. And then right behind me, I hear my wife with my baby. And the stroller fell on the gangway because it was so steep. So <laughs> the toddler went flying. Oh, no. Um, and So it was almost the first medical emergency on a cruise <sighs> ship. But everything was all good. He was fine.
1: So you get on board. What was the reaction from the crew? Because you haven't seen them and they haven't seen you in months either.
2: Oh, yeah. Everyone was super excited i mean beyond excited to have people on board and um it was just a great feeling Um, everyone was happy all the fellow passengers that we were boarding with were happy the crew was happy and you would think it wouldn't be like fully staffed or anything like that but they had about 975 crew members on board so um the ship was staffed up and ready to go
1: And you make your way to your stateroom. Was there anything noticeably different than perhaps times you've cruised before?
2: So they left our key cards outside the room, which I think is kind of the new trend. But once we got into the room and we booked a grand suite, so we just wanted a little extra room, especially for the first trip with the uh, toddler. So we got into the room, it was immaculately clean, and um, the only thing that was different was there was some hand sanitizer and some masks in the room, although since we were vaccinated, we did not have to wear a mask anywhere on board the ship.
1: One thing the shutdown did was make cruise lines a little more innovative, and Royal Caribbean rolled out this new e-muster. Ashley talked about it last week when she was on Celebrity Millennium. How was your experience on Adventure with the new uh, muster drill?
2: Yeah, I'm going to echo Ashley's comments from last week. And it was the best change in cruising that I've seen so far. Um, it was just so easy. So, what we did was, after we got settled in our room, we went out and, of course, I like, went to the pool, got a drink or whatnot. And then we decided just to do a little walk around the ship. And while we were walking, we're like, let's just take care of this whole mustard drill thing. So, We went down to our muster station, which was on the outside deck of deck number four. Um, And there was crew members at every muster station like normal. And we just went to our assigned station, which was B5. And we showed our key cards to the staff member that was there. They scanned them. They gave us a brief demo on what to do in case of an emergency and how to put on a life jacket. It took about five minutes total we were the only ones there mm-hmm. and then we were issued a green sticker for our key card and that was it the only thing that they still do is they still sound the general emergency alarm and be- we weren't leaving until around nine o'clock that night but they sounded the alarm around i'd say around seven thirty when the majority of guests were on board mm-hmm. just for like a test
1: Just curious, once you were on board, say you boarded around one or two, and you didn't leave until the evening, could you embark and disembark, or were you kind of limited to stay on the ship until you left?
2: We didn't ask or try, so I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. Um, We just stayed on the ship once we got on. And To be honest, in that downtown Nassau area, when we were walking from the Hilton down to the pier, a lot of that a uh, regular Nassau tourism area is still all closed. Like senior frogs was closed that, um, never say never bar was closed. The only thing that was open along that street was the pirate Republic brewery. That was really it that I noticed.
1: Oh, wow. So how about dining? Were all the dining venues open and what were your thoughts of their new way of doing things?
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah. All the dining venues were open. So we had the early seating at the dining room, main dining room. So we had a five thirty. uh, dinner seating. And we did do some specialty restaurants too. And all the specialty restaurants were open. Adventure only has three of them. So um, nothing, nothing really crazy there. In terms of the the Windjammer, the buffet, it was open as well. Uh, They only utilized one half of it though. The other side was completely blocked off. Like you couldn't even walk over there at all. And I guess that was just due to the amount of guests that were on board. We had 1,068 guests on our sailing out of a possible 3,800 if the ship was at full capacity. So they just didn't need the full buffet area. And um, the one thing that was a little different, though, was the buffet was closed for every dinner service. It was not open for dinner, which for us with a baby was kind of a bummer because we like to get him food first before we sit down and eat just so he's kind of satisfied and we couldn't really do that because the buffet was closed
1: how were the specialty restaurants and did you have a favorite
2: uh, they were all great i mean i, I one thing i would say is you know, the main dining room food on royal on this particular sailing was just okay i mean nothing blew me away by any stretch of the means but man that dinner at chops grill that blew us away I mean, the cut of steak that they used and all the sides and the level of service that we got. I mean, that was that was the highlight of the dining experience. Uh, We also did go to Azumi to get sushi one night for dinner. We're big sushi fans. And um, the other restaurant we went to was Giovanni's, which is the Italian restaurant. Since we were in a suite, we were also able to go there for breakfast. We did that a couple of times. And uh, that was nice as well.
1: I would normally ask about sea days with crowds and congestion, but with the ship only carrying just under 1,100 guests out of almost 4,000, I'm sure sea days were pretty laid back and no problem finding a a pool chair or anything, right?
2: Yeah. So that was the craziest part, I think, about the sailing. You walked around during a sea day and the bottom pool, like the main pool area, most of the seats would be taken, especially by midday but they were spaced pretty far apart. You know, they were spaced at least six foot apart. But the deck above the pool, you know, that open deck where there's usually just, you know, Lounge chairs are set up right next to each other. Mm -hmm. None of them were taken. I mean, it was completely empty. Did
1: you have a drink package and how were the bars?
2: Yeah, we had the uh, deluxe drink package and there were no lines to get um, drinks. The one change I would say, too, that I forgot to mention at the bars and this um, I don't know if this is royal specific or, or whatnot, but they didn't allow you to sit at the bar. You could sit there while they were making your drink. But Mm -hmm. then once they swiped your card, they just kind of politely asked you, hey, this is uh, we're trying just to keep some distance and uh, leave the bar seating um, open throughout the cruise. And that applied to all bars indoors and out.
1: Let's talk about the entertainment on Adventure. Were there any new protocols in the theater or anything you had to do to see a show?
2: Yeah. And this is the one thing you have to make reservations. Um, And you can do that within the Royal app. And that was kind of the biggest change for a ship of the size needing the reservation. But they did do a lot of extra shows, I would say, and they did a few matinees as well, especially during the sea days. Like they did, like a two o'clock and four o'clock ice show, uh, just so they made sure that everyone was able to partake in the entertainment. But uh, for instance, I was kind of a last minute. Person for the ice show. And I went up to our, actually our suite concierge and asked if he could get me into the two o'clock show on a C day. And he's like, no, it's already completely sold out. Like you can do the four o'clock. So they really are being strict with their capacities. And even when you're in the venues, they might have two seats and then they'll block four off and then have another two seats. So it's when you're in these theaters, it's empty. I mean, there's not many people in there whatsoever.
1: Dang, the uh, concierge couldn't even pull it off for you. That's no, kind of crazy. Not like they can they take know. you down a private elevator, walk you down a back hall into the front row or something like that, you know?
2: Yeah, nothing. nothing. <laughs> wow.
1: Let's talk about excursions and ports of call. I know you had that double dip there at Perfect Day, which is really cool.
2: So the ship left Nassau and we went for two consecutive days at Perfect Day at Coco Cay. And right. that was definitely the highlight, staying there for two straight days. I wish more Cruise itineraries would stay at private islands for either an overnight or uh, hit it twice or something like that because that perfect day. That was actually the first time I've been there since they've done the um, the renovation to the island, and it's amazing. I mean, I've never seen anything like that before at any cruise line private island, and you know the ship docks right at the pier. There's no tendering. They have trams if you need to get to wherever you want to go on the island, kind of like Disney's Castaway Cay, and um, just walking around the whole island. And I know that that island was built for like a capacity of around 9,000 guests, and there was only maybe uh, 1,000 on the island. And so it just felt empty. But we had that huge oasis lagoon pool, basically all to ourselves with a swim-up bar and The nice thing about the island was the baby, being 16 months old and still in a swim diaper, was able to utilize all of the pools on the island, which was different from the ship because Mm -hmm. he could only use the baby splash pad on the ship. So it was just nice for him to be able to splash around. They have a ton of kids' areas. I mean, for little kids, um, teenagers, every age, you name it, they have it. Great food on the island, too. In terms of excursion, I did do a scuba diving trip at Perfect Day, and it was about an hour dive and I saw a lot of cool stuff. I saw a spotted eagle ray, which was awesome, and um, had a great time on that excursion.
1: And then you went to what, Cozumel?
2: Yeah, we uh, had a sea day after we left Perfect Day, and actually the weather started to take a turn for the worse because we were entering that tropical system that was forming. And once we got to Cozumel, it was kind of no better better weather. It was kind of a off and on rain day. We got off the ship and just walked around. Uh, we, we were trying to make our way to downtown uh, just by walking the sidewalk. But we started to get rained on. So we ducked into a restaurant and just had some lunch and then walked back to the ship. But you do need to wear a mask um, off. When you're off the ship in Cozumel at all times, um, even when you're outside.
1: Were people able to do things on their own? Like, uh, I know, what, Mr. Sancho's, I believe it's called over there?
2: Yeah, a a lot of people from the ship went to Mr. Sancho's, actually. Um, I saw some photos from it and they had a big sign like, Welcome Back Adventure. That's definitely a place I want to try one of these days to Cozumel.
1: I'm curious what the vibe was like around the ship uh, with the mask situation. You said that Royal Caribbean provided you with a mask, but as the cruise went on, it was a seven night cruise. Were people maybe wearing them at first and then taking them off? Or, like, your thoughts with you? Like, did you and the family feel safe walking around without masks on since it was a vaccinated cruise?
2: In the beginning, like day one, even me and my wife, we wore a mask in the buffet area just because it was pretty crowded in that zone. But as the cruise went on, we even stopped doing that. And I mean, I felt safe just because they tested all of us before we got on board, like literally right before we got on board, you had to have a negative test. So they were doing a great job spacing people out. I mean, there was signs on tables not to sit there. So they were having parties being spaced spaced about. And we didn't go to the nightclub at all but I noticed in the planner that it said that you can only dance in lit bubble zones. So I guess they had some lighting on the floors and you could only dance with your travel party in those little lit up circles. Mm -hmm.
1: Interesting. (laughs) And then,
2: but I would say, no, most people were not wearing masks. You would see one every once in a while. Mm -hmm. The kids though, if they were over two and under, I guess 16 and not vaccinated, they had to wear a mask when they were inside or in like a crowded area.
1: Yeah. So you actually had to get a test on the return to Nassau too, correct? So how was that process?
2: Yeah, so that was actually pretty easy too. They started doing the testing on day 6 and day 7 of the cruise, and they asked you to pre-register for the test, so they asked you to pick a date and a time, although Honestly, you could just walk in whenever you want it and get the test. They weren't really being strict about the times for that. And for that, they were utilizing the Deck 5 dining room. So the dining room on Adventure, I believe, is three levels. So the top level, they weren't utilizing for service at all. And that was kind of the testing area. So they've hired a company, I think they're called Eurofins, that is on board the ship. And they're doing all the testing for Royal. And basically what you did is just showed your pre-registration QR code. And you went into the dining room. They did a quick nasal swab. And then they just said, you know, we'll just email you the results when they come in. And it took about 30 minutes or so to Mm -hmm. get the negative result.
1: Was the test a requirement to get back into Nassau or for you to fly back to the U.S.?
2: Not to disembark in Nassau, but to go back to the U.S. (laughs) Okay. They actually printed out a copy of our test, as well as this form from the CDC that you have to fill out and show to the airline counter. And that's what you use to get back into the country. I will just point out really quickly, though, when you do get back to the airport and have to check in for your flight, because they have to verify every person's COVID status individually, the lines to check in. Were at least for some people, probably two hours long. Wow. Um, I, I mean, I had priority status through American. And I think we waited about 25 minutes mm-hmm. in the priority line. But let me tell you, Bahamas Air. We almost saw a fight going over there. Because some people <laughs> were screaming that they were there for two and a half hours and not even moved an inch. Be prepared. Just put some time in that flight. Uh, I would say going and coming because you have to get verified both ways. Mm-hmm. Like even when you're going to the Bahamas. The check-in agent has to verify that you have your health visa before they issue your boarding pass. So just it requires a little more patience than, than normal.
1: So you've been home for a couple of days now. Looking back over this entire experience, start to finish, was there anything that could have maybe been done differently or maybe something that Royal Caribbean really excelled at?
2: Well, I think when they made that last-minute change on getting us tested before we went on the ship, that made me feel a lot more comfortable, to be honest. Uh, they weren't going to require us to be tested before we got on board. But I think once those couple cases on Celebrity Millennium happened, I think Royal changed their course and was like, you know what? We should test everyone right before they get on board. And I, I think that's fine. I mean, it literally takes 15 minutes, does not inconvenience you whatsoever, and um, just gives you a more peace of mind, right? That everyone that's on that ship has at least tested negative before they walked on board. So I think Royal did a great job with all their health protocols. Uh, I will not fault them for anything in in that regard. I mean, I I felt safe the entire time. The crew, they were all wearing masks for now. And they don't have to wear them in the crew areas, but for in public spaces, they do for right now. Yeah, nothing really uh, different. I just honestly, I just wish they stayed a perfect day for another (laughs) couple days. Right.
1: (laughs) Well, what are your final thoughts of cruising again, moving forward?
2: Yeah, so it was definitely different flying to a cruise port to take a cruise, but I'm glad we did it. It was a great experience. It was fun to be the first first people out. And now that I've been on a cruise without having to wear a mask, I'm now kind of hesitant to take one from Florida for at least the first couple of weeks when you do have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated. I feel mm. like that would just be a totally different experience for me. So, for our next cruise, we have one plan in October. Hopefully by that point, everything's uh, kind of chilled out a little bit more, but Yeah, Yeah, great time to take a cruise and cruising's back.
1: Yes, it is. We've been talking with Nick about his seven-night cruise from Nassau on Adventure of the Seas. And Nick, thanks for stopping by and sharing your experience with us, my friend.
2: Thanks, Doug. Appreciate you having me on. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced
0: at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.